Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. anything. I want to maintain the same spirit, but I will say that God, God has a word today that even, even right now, as Pastor Maritza was speaking, I was asking God, is that really the one that you want me to speak? Um, I battled with this word this week. I went Thursday. I had my word already and I, uh, was excited to preach it, and, and I will preach it soon. And then, and then Friday, God took me in a different direction. And then Saturday, God took me in a different direction. I got, I got halfway done with my Friday sermon. And then yesterday, I, I just started all over, and, and uh, I finished it this morning during Spanish. Uh, that's why I wasn't in here. But... I think God wants to speak this, this word and it's not going to be an easy word, but it's one that needs to be spoken. And if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to turn, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to Ephesians chapter four, one through 16. Amen. When you have it, say Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, take over, because I I, uh, I don't feel prepared. <laughs> it says this, it's, it's Apostle Paul, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to you according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And I want you to go down to verse 11. It says, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From who the whole body, joined and held together by every point with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. You can take your seats. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> One of the reasons I didn't want to, I didn't want to, well, I wasn't, you know, this, this sermon has kind of been on my heart for a while. It's, it's been pressed on me and I don't think that I really wanted to preach it because I feel like 
I've already kind of beat the dead horse, you know. Um, I've already preached on it many times. I feel like I've exhausted it. And it's like, here Pastor Ryan goes again with the same thing. And maybe that's why I kind of held off on it. But I think God is obviously trying to say something. That there is some unfinished business in in regard to this topic. Um, And there's just something telling me that there is a stronghold when it comes to this. And I'm praying that it gets loose today. Amen. So don't leave. Okay. Because if you leave, you might miss a blessing. Um, and it's, it's the sin of, of pride. This is something I, I, I struggle with from time to time. I have to check it because if I, if I don't, it will destroy me. Pride is a hidden sin. We don't see it. Nobody really sees it. And that's why I believe it's so destructive. And so today I'm, man, I'm, Calling out pride to be cast out from every believer, every minister, every leader, every pastor, every friend, every marriage, every relationship. Pride no longer belongs. It does not have a place in the body of Christ because where pride is, progress cannot be. And pride is one of those things that I think we keep around like it's a little pet, you know, like it's just it's cute. It's a cute little pet. We acknowledge that we have it. Um, but it doesn't seem to disgust us like it should. If we had um, as much grace with ourselves, you know, with every other sin as we do with pride, I think we would be in a very, very spiritually unhealthy state, right? And I, I'll admit, I've been pretty nonchalant about my pride sometimes, you know, where I would kind of brush it off and I'd say, oh, it's, man, I'm just, I'm so prideful, you know? What, what, what if I said, oh, it's just, I'm so lustful, you know? What if, it, what if I said, oh, it's just that deceit in me, that deceitfulness, right? That hatred in me. Oh, I hate people, you know? Like, what if I was so nonchalant about all these other sins, the way that I am with pride, right? We're not okay with all of this. And I believe that Christians, we, we really, we do actively try to run away from sins and from temptation, but, but pride, we just, we keep it around like it's harmless, Oh, it's a cute little pride problem. That's cute. Ellie, sometimes she rolls her eyes, and I think it's cute because she's cute, right? And, and her little eyes are cute, and they're rolling around, and, and, you know, I think it's funny when she gets a little attitude. But it's, it's not, if it's not corrected, it, that it's not going to be cute one day. It's going to be a problem, and I don't want to have it, right? And so it, I, I, don't, I don't think it's by coincidence that, that the sin that caused Satan to fall from heaven is a sin that we are so okay with keeping around and never dealing with. Because the enemy knows how to work with some pride. It was, the very, it was the very first sin. Pride filled his heart. And so it's, so it's so weird to me that the church doesn't really deal with it ever. We're quick to cast out pornography, as we should, and witchcraft and addiction, but we are slow to deal with pride. And, and if we are not actively working on Pride, it's, it's going to grow. It's going to continue to grow at a really fast pace. And I want you to understand something. Um, pride divides. Pride divides. That is the goal of pride. It wants to destroy, but the way that it destroys is by separating you from what is healthy. That's, that's how it happens. So if you think about Satan when he was this cherub in heaven, right? He was... You know, he had a very high place in heaven amongst the angels. 
And the angels were those who glorified God day in, day out. That's what they did. That's what they were created for. They were created to worship. And there were these beautiful angelic, not angelic, they were angels. They were these, um, these, these divine beings. But something in him told him that he could be like God. Something told him, or someone told him, one of, maybe one of, the, maybe one of the, uh, the lady angels up there said, Ooh, you got a real good voice, Lucifer. And maybe that went to his head. And he began to be filled with pride. And what happened immediately after that is, is God cast him out. He separated him from God's glory. Adam and Eve, same thing. We don't really think about them having a pride problem, but there was definitely a pride issue. Because pride is at the root of everything, man. It is the opposite of humility. Pride just wants glory. Adam and Eve, they saw an opportunity to become like God. They, they saw an opportunity to, 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 to know good and evil like God, right? And so in their refusal to humble themselves and to submit to the word of God, their pride overtook them. And what did God do? He separated them from, from the Garden of Eden. And Paul here, he's, he's dealing with the after effects of pride. If you notice, if you notice here, Paul, Paul doesn't even mention pride. Because he's already dealing with the after effects of it. He's dealing with a church on the brink of division. And, and he also talks about it with the Corinthians. He talks about it with the Colossians and, and, and here in Ephesus, right? Paul, I mean, pride has been plaguing this world since day one and plaguing the churches. And, and when, it, when it begins to have its way, it begins to divide. And I, I don't want to just talk, you know, to the church. I also want to talk practically and personally because it's not just the church that deals with this. It's, it, it's, it's all of us. It's people. It's personally. It's marriages. And when there's pride in a marriage, all it's doing is dividing you. It makes you create walls. It makes you be on the defensive. It's making you attack. It's making you enemies with your spouse. And all you're doing, all it's doing is, is dividing you further and further away. When there is pride in your friendship All it's doing is making your friendship more fake than it already is. When when there is pride in the church, what, what happens? It leads to multiple churches formed not from calling, formed from pride. Talking about God is calling you. No, no, no. You have a pride problem and you want to separate yourself because you don't know how to work with other people. And, and division leads to multiplication. It leads to subsets. It leads to tribalism. It leads to a mess. And the church, I've said it before, is probably the most divided institution of all time. It stems from pride. Pride divides. And so what, what is, our, what is our, our defense mechanism? What do we usually say? We need unity. Unity. Somebody say unity. unity. We, we expect unity to solve the problem. But we confuse unity with togetherness. And they're not the same thing. You can, and, and, and my mother-in-law used to do this with, with, my, with my wife and, and, and uh, her sisters. Whenever they were, you know, fighting, she would make them share a shirt they would literally be in one shirt sitting together. I would have loved to have seen it. She'd make them hold hands, right? 
And, and sometimes it's like that's, that's what we think is going to solve the problem. Just like just, just glue it together. Right? That No, you, you're not. You might be solving the, the, the division problem, but you're not really solving the root, which is pride. And so you can, you can have this church that is quote unquote united, but still deeply entrenched with pride. And you're not dealing with the real issue. Married couples say that they stay together for the kids. Right. But they haven't addressed the pride issue. And so we might like to think that unity will fix the problem, but you only truly get unity when pride isn't in the picture anymore. Paul says, walk in a manner that is worthy. Somebody say worthy. Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul says, you've been called. Act like it. Walk in it. We have all been called. As a church, we have all been called into salvation. We've been called into fellowship with one another. We've been called to serve the kingdom and serve the body of Christ. We've all been called to participate in some way in the body of Christ. And so he says, walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling. And then he, he describes what he means by worthy. He says, with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Just one. Just one. That's, that's the title of my sermon. I, I couldn't think of a title. That's it. That's the title of my sermon. Just one. Can we, re- can we repeat that verse one more time? Verse four. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Somebody say one. One, one is not meant to be two. It's not meant to divide. One is meant to be one. But you see, when pride is in the spirit, when pride is in the atmosphere, it causes us to look at the wrong one. Pride looks at the one, but it looks at the wrong one. This, this is why division isn't always so obvious, because pride makes you think that, that you're one-minded. But if the one thing that you're looking at is not the one thing that should have your focus, that, that leaves you in a dangerous state. So in a pride, I'm sorry, in a marriage... Pride causes you to look at yourself. And, and you're the wrong one, by the way. When you're, when, you're, when you're single, I mean, you can look out for number one. But when you get married, you become number two. And so, so humility, humility causes you to look at your spouse. But in your pride, you look at the wrong one. My wife and I, we have learned how to have healthy fights. And boy, we have, we have them. But they're healthy, right? And healthy fights lead to progress. But this is something that it took, it took a while to learn. Because in an, I think I've shared this with you. In an argument, I, I want to work out everything right, right there. Let's, let's, I don't, I don't want to wait eight hours. You know, I don't want to wait. I don't want to go to sleep angry. I want to I solve it right there. Like I don't, I don't like feeling like unresolved. Amen? If you're with me, be with me, don't. But then there's other people, the sinners, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
There's other people who they're like, they, they needed to marinate for some reason. They like to let, let it soak, like, like with the dishes. They just want to let it soak. They want to let it, just give me time to process. I'm fired up right now. Give me time. Anybody like that? Anybody just a little, amen? Okay. We're doing some deliverance. Right? <laughs> so we're the opposite. I want to I knock it out. Let's, okay, you're mad. I'm mad. Let's, let's do it. Let's duke it out. And she's like, no, I need to, I need to wait. Right? I need time to calm down. And, and just telling her to calm down doesn't, doesn't do it. Right? <laughs> so when, when, we first got, when we first got married, we got into this massive fight, huge fight. And, and, and we didn't know how to have healthy fights yet at the time. And so I'm, I'm chasing her, trying to have this argument. She can't seem to escape, so she locks herself in the closet. And I'm, I'm literally banging on the closet door like I'm a psycho, like in that movie. What's that movie where it's like, here's Johnny? I don't know what it is. but like, And she's like, leave me alone, leave me alone. Like, if, if you were looking from the outside, you'd think that there was like a domestic abuse problem right there. Because I'm, she's in the closet, and I'm knocking, I'm like, let's, let's do it, let's, let's have it out. That wasn't healthy fighting, all right? But, but over time, I learned, no, she didn't win. It's a pride, pride, gotta, gotta check it. Over, over time, I learned that my wife, she does need time to process, right? And, and, and so I started, I started to think about her, right? I took the focus off me, what I want. Yeah, I want to, I want to have it out right now, but she, she, she's not going to respond to that. So, okay, let me think about her, right? But she also needed to do the same thing for me, right? So she needed to hear me out. She needed to learn how I prefer to handle conflict. And so now, the way that we do it now is we always have a, a nice little quick brawl, real, real fast. She'll say, okay, say what you need to say. And I'll say what I need to say. And sometimes I'm afraid to say what I need to say because it's going to lead to something bigger. But I'll, we'll, I'll say it and then we'll have a quick little fight and then, and then, we'll, and then we'll go our separate ways. Right. But that's, that's, that's the way that we do it. And the other night we were actually in a little argument and, and um, I, I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to give her her space. And so I, I fell asleep and she that got her mad. And the next morning she was like, how dare you fall asleep in the middle of a fight? I'm like, this is what you wanted. Yeah. But <laughs> pride causes pride causes you to look at the wrong one in a marriage, right? You're just looking out for yourself. You ain't number one anymore. Now in church, pride does the same thing, right? In in, in a church, uh, it, it it doesn't look at the one body; it looks at the body part, the one that we so happen to be a part of, usually. And so if 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 you are rooting for that one body part while the rest of the body is falling apart, you may be a part of the, of the problem, right? Now, now, God is going to call us to serve in different areas, right? But we have to remember that we don't serve the body part, we serve the body. And so you may give all of your time and all of your effort and all of your practices and all of your Sundays to the worship team when you come to church. But if you're not playing on the worship team that Sunday and you're not at church, you're serving the body part, not the body. That's just an example. Pride causes you to look at the wrong one. 
But with humility, with gentleness, with patience, we can begin to look at the right one, right? We can begin to take our eyes off of what benefits us and fixate on the one that matters, right? And, and then we can stop division and then we can stop destruction. Proverbs 16, 18, write it down. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before the fall. It is a divine guarantee that pride will kill what it consumes. Leaders fall because of pride. Marriages end because of pride. People can't repent because of pride. And it's time to break the grip of pride so that God can truly take us from glory to glory. And we can stop stagnating and wishing that we would elevate. But because there is pride weighing us down, we can't get there. And we also have to realize the symptoms of pride. Already, If you are a jealous person, you have a pride problem. If you are a jealous, and look, I'm not talking about being jealous for what belongs to you. Like ladies, okay, you can be, you can be jealous for your husband, right? But when it comes to things that don't even belong to you, you don't have to be jealous for that. That's a pride problem. If you are always in competition with your brother or your sister in ministry, you got pride issues. If you're a hater, you got a pride problem. If you can't celebrate your sister's victories, you got a pride problem. If, if, if somebody just bought a house and you have to keep scrolling because you can't bring yourself to love the message, you got a pride problem. It's all over, man. Pride is all over. Adam's sin came because he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be like God. He was already created in the image of God. He wanted to be more like God. And then when the Bible talks about the fall of Satan, right, it it uses the same type of language. He wanted to be like the Most High. And then when the men who began to construct the Tower of Babel got together, they said, let us make a name for ourselves. This is all a root of pride. And, and, and let me tell you why pride is so hard to kill. We all want to be proud of something. Right? Who doesn't want to be proud of something? We have, an, we have this innate desire to be proud. And look, not, not all pride is sinful. It, it, it's, it's only when pride is concerned with the self that it's sinful, which is probably like 99% of, of the time. But when, when you're proud of something that you didn't have anything to do with, that's healthy. That's healthy because it's humbling. I'm, I'm so proud of so many of y'all's kids, man. Like when I see them, when I see how respectful they are, how good they are, how much they, they, they've grown. I, man, I look, at, I look at Daniel back there, and I'm proud of him, man. I, I, I've known him since he was a little, little booger face, right? A little chunky, right? Melody and Celeste, man, I'm so proud of the, the people they've become. I'm so proud of, I'm so proud of uh, Missy and, and B and, and man, they're so, they're so, they're just good people. I'm proud when I see little Ava worshiping like, like mama, man. And you know what? I had nothing to do with that. I'm trying to make a point. All right, but, but, but I, I didn't have, I didn't have anything to do with that. I mean, and I'm proud of that. That's, that's healthy pride. When, I'm, when, I'm proud, when, when, I see, uh, when I see a marriage succeeding, when I see a church thriving, I'm, I'm proud of that. 
proud of that. That's, and I had nothing to do with that. That's good pride. But when it comes to our achievements, that's when it's dangerous. But it's tough because God created us in his image, which means that man is hardwired to create. Man creates. That's what, that's what we do. Because God created us in his image, man creates. Humans have built towers and cities and empires and kingdoms and businesses and ministries. And, and any, anything that we touch, we, we want to be proud of it. Tell me you don't plan something wanting to walk away proud of it. Tell me you don't want to be proud of, of, of hard work that you've done, right? Tell me that you're planning a conference and you don't want it to, to, to come out well. Tell me that you don't want to be proud of it. We all do. And, and so there's that conflict of wanting to be proud, but not wanting to become prideful. And so I, I think Paul begins to answer that question here in verse 11. He says, and he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave the shepherds, he gave the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So whether you are an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist or not, we all have the same goal in the one body. We may have different functions, but it's all the same goal. And so if, if I'm a shepherd, my call is to equip the saints so that the saints can join in the work of building the body of Christ. We were created to create, yes, but not for our glory. That's where we have gone wrong. Where we have created something, we have stepped back and said, wow, look at what I made. When Adam saw his woman, Eve, oh, he was proud. But he acknowledged that it was God who did it. My God, you took that from me? How can something so ugly be so beautiful? He was proud, but he gave God the glory. When we become proud and, and give ourselves the glory, that's That's dangerous. That's dangerous because God doesn't share glory. God is the all glorious God. God wants the glory for himself. God creates for his glory. And so if God created me to create something, that something needs to speak of the glory of God. And then that something can continue to create and create and create and create. But it all has to go back to God. We pride cuts that off. Pride says, no, this, this is your work. You be proud of it. Our pride should be in, our pride should be in this building, not, not just a room that we're standing in. Whether you're preaching the word or whether you're scrubbing toilets, whether you got a title or nobody even knows your name, the name that people should know it's not Numa, it's not Ryan, it's not Danny, it's not Claudia, it's Jesus. That's the name that people need to know. The Bible says that Jesus is going to return for his bride, right? The church. It's the body of Christ. It's us. He's not coming back for a piece of the body. Not coming back for a body part. He's not coming back for the arm, the leg, the head. He's coming back for the whole thing. And so if Jesus were to come back today, I, you know, I, I might say, Lord, I can't wait for you to see what we've done with Numa Church. Come and see what we've built. 
Come and see the ministries. Come and, come and listen to the sermons. Come and, come and look at the website. Come and look at what we've got going on. Come and meet the people. Jesus isn't coming back for, for Numa. He's coming back for the whole church. And yes, I am a pastor of this church, and my commitment is to this church, and my work is predominantly going to be at this church. But, but before I'm a pastor, I am a Christian. Before I am a member of Numa Church, I'm a member of the kingdom of God, right? And so will, the question is, will I be able to zoom out and look at the body of Christ and say, am I proud of all of this? Or am I, am I proud of just what I have my hands on? Let, let's, let's zoom. Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay. I want to zoom in a little bit more. Let's talk about our church. Let's get personal. If at our church, we, we work in, let, let's say the youth ministry, because I think the youth ministry is out in camp, so we can pick on them. Um, they won. They won. We can discuss this afterwards. <laughs> but they won. They won. <laughs> let's say, let's say, let's say we're talking about the youth ministry, right? Um, if you're working in the youth ministry and the ministry is thriving, which I believe that it is, man, kids are coming. They want to be at church. They're growing spiritually. I mean, you, you see the fruits, right? I just talked about it. You see the fruits of these kids they are being discipled. That's great. We should all be proud of that. I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of our youth. I'm proud of our youth pastors. But now say at the very same time, the children's ministry is always suffering. And they can't find teachers and they can't find consistency and there's high tur- turnover and no one wants to help. And, and that ministry is not thriving. It's just surviving. Everyone else should say, how can I help? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I ain't sure. We should also, how, how can I help? I'm, I'm not... I'm not an expert. I don't have patience with kids. You probably don't want me teaching your kids very long. But how can I stop the bleeding if there's bleeding? Because I don't just care about one body part. I care about the whole body. But that's typically not what you get in churches. That's not what you get. Instead, you get people in their own lanes. You get people not even asking how the other ministries are doing. And I understand that. As a pastor, that is part of my job. Like in, in every year, I, I do my best to check in with our leaders and see how you're doing. Is there anything that you need and, and how can I help you? But that shouldn't be the job of just one person. It should be all of us. The church doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to, to Christ, of which we are all members. And I, I wonder if Jesus, I wonder if Jesus were to walk into our church on a Wednesday night. Wednesday night. You know, Wednesday night, we're, we're kind of everywhere, you know? Everybody's in their groups. I wonder if Jesus were to walk in on a Wednesday night looking for a class to go to. Would we all run to Jesus saying, Lord, come to my class? God, we're, we're, Lord, we're in a series right now about how we effectively engage in Bible study. People are loving it. You should, you should come. You should come to our class. I'm, I'm low-key jealous of the Spanish class because they have pan dulce and cafecito. And they might say, Lord, I know you're the bread of life, but that cake that Hermana Legna makes, you've never tried anything like it. The kids ministry might, might say, Lord, we, we just started this, this kids series and, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. 
and, 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 and the kids are loving it. And come, come and see our precious little children. You know, they're so good. Uh, or come, come and see what the young adults are doing. We talk about real issues. I sat in one of their classes a, a few weeks ago. I really enjoyed it. But my point is, would we all be so proud of our own ministries and that we would want Jesus to come and see what we're doing? Or instead, would we say, Lord, you can walk into any class because we're proud of all of it? Any class you go to, any ministry you serve in, we're proud of all of it. Just avoid the storage room because it's, it's a mess. Can't be perfect. But, but when we zoom out, when we zoom out of what we're directly involved in, can we, can we zoom out and say, man, what a healthy body. Pride is the enemy of that. Pride leads to destruction. It leads to division. Our, our pride will always lead to God's disappointment. Whether in ministry, whether in church membership, whether in marriage, whether in relationships, pride kills. If you're looking at the wrong one. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 15 says, rather speaking in truth and love, we are to grow uh, in every way into him who is the head. Paul is calling the church to focus on the one. You're not the one. I'm not the one. He's the one. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. The body of Christ is the one body. He is the one Lord. It's just one. And I I wasn't trying to preach, again, I wasn't trying to preach like a church message on pride. Pride doesn't just exist in the church. It also exists everywhere. It exists in your personal life. And I just, I want to leave you with this. I'll have the worship team come up. But I want to leave you with this. Everybody, I want you to get this, okay? Pride is defeated only when it is submitted. Pride is defeated only when it is submitted. If you know you have pride issues and you can't forgive those who have hurt you, you will never conquer it until you submit the pride. Pride is at the root. Pride is at the root of resentment. Forgiveness takes humility. If if there's someone in your life that you hate, can we just be real? Some people hate people. And, and you may try not to hate people. You, you might hate the fact that you hate somebody. But if you're being honest with yourself, you have somebody in your life that you hate. You hate them. You, you, you don't wish them well. You might not want the worst for them, but you definitely don't want the best for them. At the root is, is pride. And pride is telling you to hold on for dear life to that hate. You, you need to hate him. You need to hate her. You need to hate him for doing you wrong like that. You need to hate her for cheating on you. You need, to, you need to hate him for hurting you in church. You need to hate him for humiliating you. That's what pride tells you. And it's causing you to hold on for dear life. But compassion requires humility. And here's another one. If you are always right, and you can never be wrong, and even when you know you're wrong, You can't apologize. Pride has got its claws in you. Get your eyes off of the wrong one before it kills you.
Pride destroys churches. It destroys families. It destroys ministers. It destroys callings. Pride got the best of Saul. It got the best of Cain. It got the best of Judas. Pride always goes before the fall. And I want it out. I want it out. I want it out, man. This, is, this isn't coming from, like, every, every, everybody is always looking into, like, deeper behind the sermon. What is going on in the church? No, nothing like that. But, but there is something that we, I mean, pride is something that we all face. And if we all face it, we're all bringing it into the church. We're all bringing our, 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 our little pet of pride into ministry with us, like our little demon child into ministry with us. Oh, he's, he's fine. He's fine. I ain't fine, bro. You got to kill that thing. You got to shoot it. Take it to the back. Shoot it. Pride doesn't belong in here. Because you know what we all are? What are we? Yes, we are one, but that's not the answer I was looking for. We are servants. You want to be humble? Tell yourself, I am a servant. I am a servant. And it's so easy to say I'm a servant of God because he's God. But you know what? We're also servants of each other. We serve each other. In your marriage, you serve each other. You serve each, In your friendships, you serve each other. I'm here to serve you. You are here to serve your church. If we thought like that, we removed all of the crowns and we casted the crowns at the feet of Jesus. Lord, I am nothing. I am nothing. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of my best. You are worthy of my humility. You are worthy of my submission. You are worthy of these knees. What if the whole church postured itself like that on its knees saying, God, I am here to serve. Our relationships would be healed. Our churches would thrive. Pride goes before the fall. I don't want to see you fall. I don't want to see you fall. I don't want to see you fail. I don't want to see your calling fall. I don't want to see your marriage fall. I don't want to see your business fall. I don't want to see any of it fall. You have to submit it. Submit it. And I want to do that this morning because I think everybody in here has got a little bit of a pride problem. And I want to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. I'm gonna, I want you to stand. And I, that, that's, that's the only call I'm going to make. I want you to come forward. And I want us to submit, 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 and, and, and say, God, God, take it out, Lord. It's a daily battle, church. It's a daily thing. Take it from somebody who deals with it. Daily, I have to submit it. Daily, I have to slay it. Daily, I have to recognize it. If there is a symptom, I have to be able to tie it back to the root and kill it. Humble us, my God. Make us humble. I know that's such a scary prayer to pray. Because everybody wants to be humble, but they don't want to be humbled. My God, I pray that you would humble those who need to be humbled, Father. Take it away, Lord. Take it away, my God. Take it away. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, 
visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.